0: Well, this morning, we're going to talk about communion, and it's Communion Sunday, but in my heart, I just want to, I want to talk about communion, because what I'm believing is there's going to be a lot of people walking into our building. I believe there's people here today that have never seen a communion table, never understood what this is, and so I just want to talk in, about communion. Now, how many people celebrated Thanksgiving last weekend? Just want to tell you something. More hands for Thanksgiving than there was for praying for your neighbors. Just, just telling you. Love your neighbors more than turkey. But here's what I want to talk to you about. How many people at Thanksgiving time, you do something special that's kind of a family tradition? Anybody? Oh, a lot more hands down. you got to start some traditions, people. One of the things that we do in my family, and I don't do it with Melissa because she doesn't like it, but um, my, my family back home, we always, my grandmother used to always make meat pie. Yes, there's some people in the house. I got a better amen there than I will probably for most of my stuff. Um, but here's the thing. with It was just such a great meat pie. And her meat pie didn't have anything else in it but meat. Like, some people are like, oh, you got to put, put some veggies in there. No. Meat pie. And it was so good. What would happen is you would go to the oven to get it out, and it's missing. Somebody would have it in their car already. I kid you not. You'd be like, where's the meat pie? I don't know. Everybody, I don't know. And you just know, whose car? Somebody snuck it to their car and literally is like, I'm putting it in my car so nobody else can have it. I'll eat it later. This is how good it is. And so there's a part of my family, this is a tradition. I remember one time we were trying to find it. And you have to understand, height-wise, I'm taller than my uncle. I'm shorter than my dad. A little bit shorter than my brother. My cousin is 6'2". All right? So what he would do is he would take it out of the oven and he'd put it on top of the cupboards knowing nobody could find it. We caught on and we bought a step stool. And so we would get it back down and we'd be able to enjoy it. But we all have these things and we have these memories and all of us, we celebrate traditions and it helps us remember the past. My grandmother's gone to to be with the Lord, and we just, as family, we still make it, and we still have a great time, and it's delicious, and people still hide it and steal it, and I think it's more of a game now. But if you don't get up there, you ain't getting any. It's not, you know how most times when you're at a family thing, it's like, save some for everybody else. That's not the rule when it comes to the meat pie. If you're at the back of the line, we're sorry. You should have got up faster. You should have got to the table sooner. And you would think like my parent, like my dad and my aunts, they would be teaching this example. No, they they were the ones that are like elbowing in, excuse me. It was so good. But we have these things that helps us remember. We celebrate different things. We celebrate Remembrance Day. It helps us to remember what people have sacrificed so we can actually attend church and worship our Lord without our lives being threatened. We celebrate Christmas and Easter to remember what our Lord did, that Jesus came, came and humbled himself to be just a man. But he came for the purpose of Easter. He came to die for us. He came to sacrifice his life and to lay down his life. And just remember, nobody, nobody killed Jesus. Do you understand that? He laid his life down. He could have called the angels, say, okay, I'm done, take me out of here. And they'll come and get him. But he laid his life down for us. And this is what the communion table is about. It's remembering what Jesus did for us. It's remembering how he laid his life down. Luke 22, starting at verse 14, says this. Then the hour came. Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and when he broke it, he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way... After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you by the hand of man who is going to betray me is with mine. Sorry. But the hand of the man who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to the man who betrays him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is alive. So Holy Spirit, this morning, I ask you just to hide me behind the cross. Let my words be your words. We pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that you will open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. Speak into our lives. Change us. And let us remember this morning what you did. In your name we pray. Amen. So here's Jesus. They're at the Passover supper, but he's about to replace the Passover supper. The Passover is a meal, Passover meal with the Lord's Supper. He's about to change it. He's putting himself in the place of the lamb that is sacrificed. The Passover meal started back when Moses and the Israelites were walking and trying to get out of Egypt. We went through all um, all of the plagues, all of these things that Jesus and the Lord is doing to get the Egyptians to understand that just to let the Israelites go. And then the very last one comes. And nobody really understands what's about to happen, but Moses tells everybody, all the Israelites, sacrifice a lamb, cover your doorposts. for The angel of death is coming. And we read in Exodus 12, 21, it says this, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of Hispas. Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. Then the Lord, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frames and will pass over the doorway. And he, he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. It's interesting that they had to sacrifice a lamb and, and cover their doors in blood. Because you think it's God, He knows who lives inside. It's an act of who is going to stand up and say, I believe in the Lord. What, will you, what are you willing to do in your neighborhood to say, I believe in the Lord? Don't paint your door in blood. Then you're the weird Christian. But are you willing to set the example? Are you willing to express to your neighbors when they say, hey, where, are you, where do you go on Sunday morning so early? Do you say, oh, I just go to get, hang out with some friends? Or do you talk about your Lord? Do you talk about your church? Do you talk about how you live your life? Now, I understand that we should be able to, our neighbors should be able to look at us and see us differently because of the way we live our lives. But are you willing to express it? Are you willing to talk about it? Again, please, I'm not talking talking about being the the crazy Christian neighbor. I'm talking about being a human being who loves Jesus Christ and is changed by him. Are you sharing him? Because see, Jesus comes and as it talks about here, the blood is poured out and it's covered on the doors. And Jesus is replacing the sacrificed lamb with himself. This time around, he's not looking for an animal to sacrifice. Jesus comes and says, I will be the perfect lamb. I will be the one that lays down his life. It's interesting that the lamb is protected, but Jesus ransoms us. The ultimate sacrifice. He didn't do anything wrong. Do you realize, I realize that he died like 2,000 years ago, but you realize something. He died for you. Many of us, the enemy likes to bring up our past. Some of us, that's 20 years ago. Some of us, that could be 20 minutes ago. And the enemy likes to bring it up. But do you know that whatever you did 20 minutes ago, whatever you did 20 hours ago, whatever you did 20 days ago, whatever you did 20 years ago, Jesus died for you. And his blood wipes it away. You are forgiven. It is broken off in the name of Jesus. And we can walk in freedom because of what Jesus did for us. This is why we remember. This is why we take time to remember who, who I was when he died for me. Who I was before his blood washed me clean. Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid a debt that we couldn't pay. He paid for something that none of us can afford, none of us can cover. No insurance policy can look after it. No lottery can cover it. Jesus came and died and paid the price for you and me. John 19, 28, 29 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a hispas and put it to his mouth. I find it interesting that the same thing they gave Jesus a drink with is the same thing they used to put the blood on the doors of their house. There's so many similarities that it shocks me of how much the Old Testament, when they were the Passover meal, where they they were set free from slavery, mirrors how Jesus died and set us free. From the slavery that we were in. So many things go together. The Passover started in memory of one night. That God saved all the firstborn of Israel. And it ends with God sacrificing his first and only son. He protected the firstborns and sacrificed his own. For you and me. So that we could be set free. That we could be covered. That when it comes time. When we're supposed to answer for the sins of our lives. That he stands before his father and says I paid the price. My blood covers them. This is why we remember. This is what we do monthly. 1 Corinthians Paul writes and he says, For I received from the Lord at verse 23, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after his supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul is reminding us of what communion is supposed to be, a time of remembrance and to proclaim what Jesus has done. When we take the cup, do we proclaim who he is? Do you remember what he's done? He died for us. Delivered us, washed us free. You proclaim until the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do we remember that he's coming back? Do you remember that he's coming back? Do you live your life as if he's coming back? I find it interesting, and maybe you just were tired and weren't raising hands yet, but I find it interesting that when I asked who is praying for their neighbors, how few hands went up. If you believe that Jesus is coming back, the last words he told us was to go into all the world and share the gospel. If you believe that he's coming back, do you realize that we could be gone now? We may not make it home. I won't have that other chance. I don't have maybe tomorrow. If we believe that he is coming back, do we live our lives with that urgency? The Bible tells us if we know the time that the thief is coming, you're not leaving home, you're staying home to protect, protect your home. You wouldn't be here this morning if you knew you were about to get robbed. You would be at home. But do we live our lives knowing that in an instant, Jesus could be back? And many of us talk, many of us are all over social media about how our world is and how we know that God is coming back. But do we just post about it or do we live about it? Do we share? Is there urgency in my life to make sure that I am as close to God as I ever have been? And I truly believe that the more love of Jesus I put in my heart, the closer I am to him, the more I will love others. Because the Bible tells me that Jesus is love. If I have a hard time loving others, I just don't have enough Jesus in my life. And I don't take Jesus into my life to hog him and to hide him. Nobody lights the light to hide it under a bowl. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We teach our kids to sing a song and then we hide it as adults. Or do we actually not just sing a song, do we teach them to live a song? Do your kids see you talk to neighbors about Jesus? Do they see you pray for your neighbors? Do they see you reach out? Do they see you express love, or do we just vent? Look at their grass. Look at their trees. Or do we love? What is our hearts? I cannot convince my son to do something unless he sees me do it, and how many of us know We see our kids do something, and immediately we're like, that's me. Miles was playing hockey yesterday. Second game, he's doing really well. But this one player, it wasn't amusing because he's my kid, but this one player kept skating up behind kids and just tripping them. And so Miles wasn't near the puck, and the guy just skates up and trips him. And I see Miles get up, and I see his face, and I'm like, that's me. Scored three goals yesterday. I didn't realize Melissa's family played hockey, but there's some blood there somewhere. It's not for me. But I watched him, and he stayed calm, and he came off, and he's like, Dad, he's tripping me. And I'm like, I know, just relax, just chill. And I'm thrilled with the fact that he didn't hit anybody. But you know what I could tell? He wanted to. But we're trying to teach him that it's a sport. It's a game. It's just a game. But in life, we're trying to teach him to love and to share, to pray. There's days where we get it right. There's days where we don't. But what are we showing? Because how many people know we say it about others that they can say whatever they want, but actions speak louder than words. But in our Christian life, Do we share? Do we express? Jesus came to die for us, to set us free and restore us to what was broken, our relationship with the Lord. Our relationship with the Father was broken in the garden. I don't know about you, but I want to get back to a point where I can walk with the Lord. As Adam walked in the garden. And some of you might think, oh, that's not possible. But we read later that Enoch did it. It goes through all of the, all of the genealogy of all these people. And it just talks about when they were born and how old they were when they had a kid and how much longer they lived for and then they died. It goes through all of this. And then it comes to Enoch and it says, he walked with the Lord and then he was no more. I believe the Lord and him were walking and talking and the Lord just said, we're closer to my house, let's just keep going. I want to walk with the Lord that way. And this is why Jesus came to restore that relationship, that we can actually walk with the Lord. That's why the Bible tells us to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Are you even worried about where you're stepping? Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Stay in step. Am I close enough to know that I'm staying in step? John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world, That he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that when I think about my past, I'm not condemned by it, I'm set free from it. We sang this morning there's victory. Pastor Charles had us all yell, Jesus is Lord. There's freedom in that. One of the easiest things I could tell you is if you're not sure what to pray for over a situation in your life, just begin to declare Jesus over it. I don't know what to do in this situation. I just speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Because at the word, at the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. Pastor Charles, I love what you said. The enemy believes in his name. Do we? Do we understand the power in the name of Jesus? You're not sure what to pray? Just speak Jesus. You're not sure what to do? Just speak Jesus. Just His name, Jesus. It moves things. Jesus came to save us and for so us to enjoy life. Doesn't mean an easy life, but to enjoy it. John ten ten says this: that the thief comes not. The thief did not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. The enemy has come to steal from you. He's come to steal from me. If you feel like, man, I just feel like I can't, it like, feels like things are just slipping through my hands. The enemy's a punk and he's stealing. I have a hard time holding on to some of the promises of God. It's because the enemy is lying. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your faith. He wants to destroy who you are. But Jesus has come that you can have life abundantly. Not easy, but abundantly. You can be joyful in sorrow. James tells us, consider it pure joy in all trials. James was crazy. But he spoke the truth. Do you know that every trial of your life, you can still have joy? Knowing that the Lord God walks with you, as long as you're walking with him. You can get through anything because you walk with the Lord. I love the fact, Pastor Melissa, she was praying in the back, and she's, it's just a Christian line that we have, but if Jesus takes you to it, he will take you through it. But do you realize that you can hang on to that? Do you know that the scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't mean we camp there, we walk through it. So no matter where you are, keep walking. Keep walking. No matter where you are, what's going on in your life, don't camp there. No matter how bad it is, you don't have to accept it. Begin to speak Jesus over it. Begin to speak Jesus. Begin to declare the name of Jesus. Sometimes you actually have to get loud. Do you realize the walls of Jericho came down with a shout? It's okay to shout. Not at each other. It's okay to shout. Declare the name of Jesus. We shout and we get excited about things, but do we shout the name of Jesus in trouble? Do we shout the name of Jesus in excitement and joy? When we tell you to praise the Lord, lift up your voice. Do you shout? Do you yell? Do you shout Jesus over situations? Are you willing to declare his name? Jesus! Will you cry out to him? I was watching the ball game last night. If my kids weren't asleep, I would have been excited. I would have probably yelled. But do I yell about Jesus? Kids walk across your grass and you yell at them to get off your grass. Do you yell about Jesus? Somebody bumps into your car and scrapes a little bit, takes a little buff off your baby. You shout. But do we shout about Jesus? Don't tell me, Chad, I'm just not the excitable type. Anybody's not the excitable type, it's me, but I still get excited. Do we shout? Do we declare who Jesus is? If you want life more abundantly, just get closer to Jesus. The closer you are to Him, the more joy that comes to your face. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11. Twenty-seven. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the, of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks in judgment upon himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. When we partake of communion, we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord. We need to forgive one another. We need to forgive and ask God to forgive ourselves. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do for a moment. I want everybody in the room to take a moment and examine your heart. Get right before the Lord. Take a moment and ask him to forgive you. But the Bible tells us for him to forgive us, we need to forgive others. So take a moment and extend forgiveness to others. Father, as we come to remember this morning, declare who Jesus Christ is, to remember how he came to lay his life down for us, to allow his body to be broken, his blood poured out. Father, I pray that you forgive me all for all the sin of my life, Father, I forgive everyone who has done harm to me. I give them to you. Father, I extend mercy. It's the mercy that I want to receive from you. And Father, as we come to the table, let our hearts be right. Let us worship you purely this morning. Help us to remember this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask those who are helping to serve this morning to come. The worship team is going to lead us. So please just let's worship the Lord together as we prepare to take of the elements. The wonderful cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Paul writes for us as we've read in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember what Jesus did for us, and let's partake of the bread together. Paul goes on to write, and he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending your one and only son. Not to judge us, not to condemn us, but to set us free and restore us to you to save us. We thank you this morning, Father, for sending your son to die. Jesus, we thank you for coming and laying your life down. You gave up your life for me to restore me to your Father. This morning I can stand here in relationship with the Father from your sacrifice. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for dying, shedding your blood. Jesus, I don't believe the communion table is just remember that you died, but to celebrate also that three days later, three days later, you rose from the dead. You defeated the grave. You defeated the enemy. And you gave me victory. Because of your death and your resurrection, I serve the only living God. That is the difference. And I can walk in victory. I can walk in strength this morning. And I live with excitement waiting for you to come back. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence that brings peace to our lives. Father, as we're reminded of what your son Jesus did for us as he came and died for us. Help us to spur up in us, Lord God. Stir up in us a love to share that with others. To share your love Help us to be that light wherever we go. Let us be a witness for you. Help us to walk boldly for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.